Welcome to The Mushroom Show, the one place where you need to be if you want to stay on top of all the cool things that are happening in the world of mushrooms. Now, if you like mushrooms, if you like The Mushroom Show, it would mean the world to me if you go ahead and hit that like button. It really helps the YouTube algorithm get this out to a wider audience. And if you want to see future episodes of the show, make sure you hit that subscribe button as well. And feel free to hit the notification bell if you want to be notified when future episodes release. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how mushrooms might be the only non-animal source of vitamin D, but there is a trick to actually getting it out of them. We're also going to be talking about some new research that just dropped about lion's mane and the compounds inside lion's mane that have some brain enhancing properties. It's super cool stuff and we're going to be breaking down that entire research paper. But first, a couple of pieces of mushroom news. Really quick before we jump into this episode, I want to let you know that I'm going to be speaking at a super cool event in Denver in June called the Mushroom Summit. Now, there is another event in Denver that same month called Psychedelic Science 2023, and the organizers have attached kind of an adjacent conference called the Mushroom Summit. So psychedelic science is obviously going to be focused on psychedelics and psilocybin mushrooms, but the Mushroom Summit is more focused on functional mushrooms. So it's going to be a super cool event. It's June 19th and 20th. Again, I'm speaking there, but there's going to be a lot of other cool speakers, founders of other mushroom companies, um, other kind of industry experts and industry veterans, all to do with functional mushrooms. So it does seem to be a little bit more of a B2B conference or business to business conference. But if that's something that you are interested in, if you're interested in functional mushrooms, it might be worth checking out. Again, that's June 19th and 20th in Denver. So I will put the link in the description of this video if you want to learn more. Jumping into our first story. Now there's some big news that just dropped in the world of therapeutic psilocybin mushrooms as Australia became the first country in the world to officially recognize psilocybin as a medicine, which this article uh, where it says Australian approval of MDMA and psilocybin, it's calling it a baby step in the right direction, but I really think this is actually a pretty huge deal. So right from the article, it says here the Therapeutic Goods Administration, which is kind of like the FDA regulatory body in Australia, announced Friday that from July, approved psychiatrists would be able to prescribe MDMA for post-traumatic stress disorder and psilocybin, found in magic mushrooms, for treatment-resistant depression. So this isn't recognizing it as a medicine for everything, but it is recognizing it specifically for treatment-resistant depression, which is a very specific diagnosis. It goes on to say, this move makes Australia the first country in the world to officially recognize psychedelics as medicines. Now, again, this is for MDMA and psilocybin, but this being the mushroom show, definitely wanna focus on the psilocybin aspect of this, which again, I think is a really big deal because something that was demonized not even that long ago is now being seen on a really on a national scale as a potential medicine, which is huge. It's really groundbreaking. Now, legally, what is technically happening is that psilocybin is being moved from Schedule 9 to Schedule 8. Schedule 9 are prohibited substances. Now, Schedule 8 substances are Schedule 9 prohibited substances that are appropriate preparations for therapeutic use, which have high potential for abuse and addiction. So it's moving from Schedule 9 to Schedule 8, but I still think it's kind of crazy that the way it's defined in Schedule 8 is something that has a high potential for abuse and addiction, which you know all the research is showing, all the historical evidence is showing as well, 
that you know psilocybin mushrooms neither have a high potential for abuse or a high potential for addiction. But nonetheless, it is a step or a baby step, as this article talks about, in the right direction. Now, keep in mind, just because it is now officially recognized as a medicine doesn't mean they're going to be able to start prescribing it right away. These things are really massive changes, and they take a while to ramp up. Overall, this news that's coming out of Australia just seems like another step in the ever-changing narrative around psilocybin mushrooms. It seems really that every week, almost every day, we're seeing new stories about different stuff. States, different bills being proposed or different countries doing different things all about psilocybin mushrooms and their therapeutic potential and their healing properties, which I think is pretty darn cool. On to our next story. Now, if I had to guess what the world's most popular functional mushroom is right now, I would definitely have to say it's lion's mane. You can look at the Google Trends data uh, over the last, what is this, 15 years or so, and you can see, you know, for the longest time, not much happening, not much happening. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's a huge explosion in interest of lion's mane mushroom, and it's never been more popular than it is today. People all over the world are using lion's mane as part of their daily routine. You can find it in capsules and powder and tinctures, but you can also find it in coffee, and you can find it in all sorts of other functional food products. And if you didn't know much about lion's mane, you might be wondering why. Like, why are people so excited about this mushroom? Well, first of all, lion's mane is a delicious gourmet edible mushroom, but that's probably not the reason why it's all of a sudden so popular. Because lion's mane is one of those rare unicorns that's both a gourmet edible, that's delicious, but it's also a powerful functional mushroom. It's known as the brain mushroom because of its reported cognitive benefits. It's a natural nootropic or brain booster, and funny enough, it even kind of almost looks like a brain. And not only does lion's mane have a long history of use for things like gut health and immune health, but there have been more and more studies coming out recently showing these brain boosting effects. So I like to keep my eyes peeled for new studies about lion's mane, and I was pretty excited to see this one. It was just published the 20th of January, so not that long ago, uh, in the Journal of Neurochemistry, and it was done by researchers in both Australia and Korea, and they were looking at new compounds found in lion's mane mushroom fruiting body that were shown to increase neurite outgrowth. Now, this is super cool because if you increase neurite outgrowth, basically the different connections between all the neurons in the brain, well, that's going to potentially massively improve brain function, which again is what this mushroom is used for. But to see it at this level where they found which compounds are actually doing that and how it works, well, that's super exciting. So this is exciting, obviously, for not only healthy functioning brains, but if you think about it, like neurons can be damaged through things like Alzheimer's or other issues. And that can obviously be super detrimental to everyday life. But if we could find bioactive compounds that could not only protect neurons, but also potentially regrow neurons, well, that could have a massive impact. Now, before diving into the study, I want to talk a little bit about nootrophic factors, because it is important to understand those if we want to understand how this whole thing works. In short, they are a family of proteins that support the growth, survival, and differentiation of neurons in the brain and the rest of the nervous system. So not only do they protect the brain's neurons from degradation, but can also help 
promote nuance to grow. Some examples of this are BDNF, which means brain-derived neutrophic factor, and NGF, which is nerve growth factor. We produce these in our brain, or using scientist parlance, you could say they are endogenous, meaning they are created inside of us. But if we weren't able to create them for some reason, or if we wanted more, we would need to find neutrophic factors from an outside source, otherwise known as an exogenous source. And scientists have tried to find different exogenous sources of nootrophic factors, but it's kind of difficult to do. One reason is because these things are just hard to synthesize or hard to create in a lab. But another reason is that even if we could ingest them or get them inside of us somehow, they degrade really quickly and will probably degrade before they're able to get to our brain and do any good. And finally, these exogenous nootrophic factors have difficulty getting to where they need to get to because of something called the blood-brain barrier. So typically they're very large molecules and they're not able to cross this blood-brain barrier, which is something that protects our brain, so it's obviously a good thing, but it also can prevent certain things like exogenous nootrophic factors from being able to get into our brain. But that's what makes lion's mane so amazing and so special and so unique is because it contains compounds that are pure and safe natural compounds that actually can cross the blood-brain barrier and promote the synthesis of nerve growth factor. So again, here is the paper. This was done by the Journal of Neurochemistry, as I mentioned, and it starts with this super simple graphic, right? It shows lion's mane mushroom fruiting body and then the two compounds that they managed to isolate, NDPIH and Heracene A. These are compounds unique to lion's mane. And it shows how through this relatively complex mechanism, uh, these compounds can increase neurite outgrowth. So again, increase the number of neurites and the connections in the brain. It can help to enlarge the growth cone, which is a part of the neuron that is super important, which we'll get into in a bit, and also enhance recognition memory in these mice that they tested it on. So basically they wanted to purify and extract some very specific compounds and see what those things do. Now, the thing to remember here when looking at any of this research is that lion's mane or any mushroom really can be prepared in all sorts of different ways and that can have a major different effect. So if you just ate this mushroom, for example, it would be a lot different than if you did an alcohol extract or if you did a hot water extract or if you just dried and powdered the mushroom. So, you know, it really, that part is pretty important, whether or not you're taking mushroom supplements or trying to use mushrooms for a specific use case, or if you're trying to understand how they did the research, understanding how they did the extractions is pretty important. So in this particular study, what they did was they started with the whole fruiting body of lion's mane mushroom. And let me show you this chart here. Uh, so Heresium arenaceus, so lion's mane, and then they, they did two extracts. They did an alcohol extract and then a few different fractions of that, and then a hot water extract. And then the cool thing is they've tested all of those different extracts versus a control group to see how that would have an effect on hippocampal neurons in a Petri dish. And here are the results, they're really, really cool. So you can see, you know, this is the, the images of the neurons, and this is the control one here. And you can see these are all the different extracts. And what's cool is like basically every single one of the extract had a massive impact on the length of neurites. So the length of these, you know, outgrowths from the neuron, but also on the number of neurites. So the number of these little outgrowths. And again, you can see the visual here, how big of a difference that is. But just looking at these graphs here, you can see, you know, there's like a two to three X in the length of neurites and 
about the same in terms of the number of neurites. Now keep in mind here, this was done number one on the hippocampal neurons of rat brains, so not human brains, and it was also done on a petri dish. So it can't be directly correlated to what is happening in humans, but still you can imagine if this is what these compounds are doing to neurons, well that might explain some of the things that people are experiencing when they use lion's mane mushroom. Because again, this is a mushroom with long history of use, like tons of people are finding lots of benefit from it, this just might be explaining how that actually works. Now this is getting a little more into the weeds, but they also extracted down to specific compounds. So now we're talking about not just alcohol extract and water extract, but actual compounds that were isolated from those extracts. So this is the NDPIH and the Heresine A, and the results here were even more surprising. So now if we look at the length of the neurite, they call it an axon here, but the length of the neurite on these cells, you can see that one of the extracts had basically a three and a half to four fold increase in length and they all had some really good results. Again, you can see the pictures here. This is the control group and these are the various compounds, NDPIH, heresine A, and this other one and the effect that those have on the neurons. Now they also looked at another factor which is the size of the cone of the neuron. So what does this mean? Well, the cone is basically the area on the surface of a neuron where other neurons connect to and send signals. So as you can see here, you know, if you look at these different fractions or these different extracts of lion's mane uh, and the effect they had on the relative growth of the cone area, it's pretty stunning, right? Again, you have like five-fold increase to, we'll call it like a two and a half to five-fold increase in the cone size of these neurons. So to summarize, these compounds that are safe and naturally found in lion's mane mushroom, that are not found anywhere else, that are really hard to synthesize, they don't degrade quickly, and they can actually cross the blood-brain barrier and promote the growth of neurons. Now, this isn't to say that unextracted mushrooms or different extracts, say perhaps just a water extract or even just dried and powdered mushrooms aren't gonna have an effect because, again, human physiology is super complicated, mushrooms are super complicated, and how those interact makes something that's twice as complicated. And there have been studies done on just dried and powdered lion's mane mushroom, for example. There have been studies done on alcohol extracts of lion's mane mushroom. There have been studies done on the mycelium of lion's mane mushroom. So there's, again, a lot to, you know, to, to still learn here. But I think with more of these studies coming out, the more we're kind of unraveling or unlocking about the mystery of this obviously powerful mushroom. On to our next story. Now we just had a short go viral on this channel. And to be fair, it also went viral on TikTok and Instagram. So I thought it'd be an interesting topic to really dig into here on The Mushroom Show. You see, mushrooms are little chemical factories, right? And they're always producing these interesting compounds that can do everything from change the way we think to potentially even kill us, but also just be maybe an essential nutrient that's required for human life. I'm talking about vitamin D and the fact that mushrooms of all things might be one of the only non-animal sources of this essential nutrient. But it's not all mushrooms that have this property and it's not always there either. In fact, there's a special trick that needs to be done in order to actually get the vitamin D out of the mushrooms. Let's play the short really quick here. Mushrooms are the only non-animal source that 
contain one of the most critical nutrients for humans, but there is a trick to actually getting it out of them. I'm talking about vitamin D. First of all, you should know that if you use a vitamin D supplement, there is a good chance that it's made from sheep's wool. Otherwise, if you want it in your diet, it'll come from fatty fish, from egg yolks, and from beef liver. Plain old, boring old button mushrooms actually contain super high levels of vitamin D, but not off the shelf. They need to be treated with sunlight. Just like UV light helps our bodies create vitamin D when the sunlight hits our skin, the same thing happens with mushrooms. Mushrooms contain ergosterol, and when it's exposed to UV radiation, it is converted into vitamin D. And it's not just a little bit, it's a lot. Fresh mushrooms at the store might only have about one microgram per 100 grams of vitamin D, but if they are sliced and put out in the sun for 15 to 20 minutes, that amount is increased by 10 times to 10 micrograms per 100 grams, which is about the daily requirement in many countries. A few things I wanted to dig into here. Now, first of all, vitamin D obviously is super important. It's actually essential, right? That's like the definition of a vitamin is that is it is essential for human health. And a lot of us don't get enough of it. I guess it depends on where you live, right? But me, for example, living in Alberta, we don't get a ton of sunlight in the winter, so I'm probably not getting enough sunlight. So I probably need to find alternative sources of vitamin D. So the headline here, of course, is that mushrooms have the potential to be the only non-animal unfortified source of vitamin D where you can actually get a sufficient amount of vitamin D per serving. And the way that mushrooms do this, as mentioned in the short, is pretty cool, right? They, much like humans, need to convert sunlight into vitamin D. So here's how this works, basically. Mushrooms contain this compound called agar which is a precursor to vitamin D. And when it's exposed to UV light, it is converted from agosterol to this vitamin D2. And you can see here that the key feature is this UV light, right? So mushrooms contain a lot of agosterol, but you need this UV light to actually help convert that into a usable form of vitamin D that we could actually get from ingesting the mushrooms. So here is a paper that contains a ton of information about this. It's a review of mushrooms as a potential source of dietary vitamin D. And again, I will link to this in the description if you wanna actually go ahead and read the whole thing. It's pretty cool, it just like sums up a bunch of research that has been done on this topic and basically this is what it's talking about right here is you know comparing fresh wild mushrooms or fresh retail mushrooms to mushrooms exposed to sunlight and just shows how like fresh retail mushrooms don't actually have a lot of vitamin d so right here it shows like one microgram per 100 grams which is not that much but if they're put out into the sun for a little while they can be all the way up to well here this one was 32.5 uh, micrograms per 100 grams. So like a 30 odd, uh, 30 fold odd increase in the amount of vitamin D after just 15 minutes of sun exposure, which is pretty cool. Now there is an important distinction to be made here and it's that mushrooms produce vitamin D2, which is different from vitamin D3. So in the short, I was talking about how other sources of vitamin D are things like liver or fatty fish or eggs, those are all vitamin D3. Now, whether you ingest vitamin D2 or vitamin D3, it gets converted in the liver to something called 25-hydroxy vitamin D, which is what we actually use or what is measured when we measure our blood to see if we have sufficient levels of vitamin D. And some research has shown that vitamin D3 is more effective 
or more efficient at being turned into this 25 hydroxy vitamin D. So some people say that vitamin D3 is better to ingest, but there has been other sources of research that say the opposite, say that vitamin D2 is just as effective and in some cases more effective than vitamin D3. So that is an important distinction, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that mushrooms contain a lot of vitamin D when processed like this, and that can be super beneficial to our vitamin D levels. So since this reel went viral everywhere, we did get a lot of questions. So I thought it'd be fun to dig into some of those FAQs right here on the Mushroom Show. So let's go through some of them. The first question is, how long do you need to expose the mushrooms to the sun? So again, this can vary a lot, right? The sun is more powerful depending on where you are. If you're at the equator, it's obviously a lot more powerful than if you're in Northern Canada or something like that. But research has shown that as little as 15 minutes of sun exposure can increase the levels of vitamin D substantially and up to an hour of sun exposure can actually get those vitamin D levels up to a you know full amount of vitamin D per 100 gram serving. So if you were doing this yourself, you'd probably want to put your mushrooms out in the sun or sun your buttons for somewhere between 15 minutes to an hour. Another question is, can you dry them and save them for winter? Like, will the vitamin D still be there? And that's actually a really good question, right? Because it'd be pointless to treat your mushrooms or sun your buttons and get your vitamin D high and then it would just degrade over time. But there actually has been some research done on this and specifically for fresh mushrooms, if they're put back in the fridge, well, they will, you know, they'll lose a little bit of the vitamin D, but they will retain a large amount of it for up to eight days or more. And actually in some studies, it showed that the vitamin D level even increased further after 24 hours in the fridge. Now, if you dry the mushrooms, they will also retain that vitamin D, but you know, it will degrade over time. And I don't know if there's been any specific research that says like at six months, they lose all their vitamin D or something along those lines, but the vitamin D doesn't degrade right away. So if you dried some mushrooms that were exposed to sunlight, it would likely still have a pretty high concentration of vitamin D. The next question was, can you put them under a UV lamp or a grow lamp to do the same? And the answer is yes. So sunlight obviously produces UV light, which is the actual mechanism of action for turning the ergosterol into vitamin D. But the same thing can be achieved through artificial UV light. And artificial UV light can actually be a lot more intense. So it will actually increase the level of vitamin D much faster. And I've actually seen this myself on some button mushroom farms. They just kind of roll the mushrooms underneath these really high intensity UV lights. And that short duration of time is enough to massively increase the level of vitamin D in those mushrooms. And I guess this could be kind of analogous to like a tanning booth, right? So you can go tan out in the sun, it might take a really long time. Or if you're in a tanning booth, people go in there for like 10 or 15 minutes or whatever and might have the same effect. So yes, you can increase the level of vitamin D in mushrooms using UV lamps. Next question is, would the amount of vitamin D stay the same after cooking? The answer is, well, it won't stay the same, but luckily it won't change that much. So this is a great question because yeah, of course you wanna cook button mushrooms. Not a lot of people eat them raw. Um, but you might think, okay, if you're cooking them, you know, vitamin D is relatively an unstable compound. Will that totally go away? Well, there actually has been some research done on this and it shows that again, even though the level can degrade a little bit, it can be as high as, you know, 80% of the original amount of vitamin D, even after like five minutes of searing or cooking in a pan. So again, this will vary. It seems like it varies somewhere between 60 to 80%. 
but you should still have nutritionally relevant levels of vitamin D in your sunned buttons after cooking. The next question is, does this apply to all mushrooms or just button mushrooms? So yes, this does apply to other mushrooms, but not all mushrooms. So button mushrooms are Agaricus bisporus for all the Latin name connoisseurs out there. But there are other mushrooms that also have this property. In fact, the reason why a lot of this research got kicked off was because it was discovered that these chanterelle mushrooms had super high levels of vitamin D compared to store-bought button mushrooms. And chanterelles would obviously be growing in the wild and they get a lot more sun exposure. So they originally found that the these wild chanterelles had like 30 times more vitamin D than the store-bought button mushrooms. So it's chanterelle mushrooms have this property, oyster mushrooms, shiitake mushrooms, porcini mushrooms in particular have really shown to have high levels of vitamin D. So... I don't know if it's all mushrooms, but it's definitely more than just button mushrooms. The next question is, how does vitamin D in mushrooms compare to how much humans would get if they stood out in the sun for 15 minutes? And this is actually a super tough question to answer because again, kind of repeating myself here, but there's so many variables, right? Not only does the angle of the sun and the time of year and all this kind of stuff, uh, how much skin is exposed, all that makes a difference, but also human physiology makes a difference. So there might be one person that is a you know super producer of vitamin D and can produce vitamin D really quickly. There might be other people that might take four or five times longer based on their human physiology to produce that same amount of vitamin D. So it's really hard to know, but if you look at some of the, the research, it seems like for most people, like 30, 15 to 30 minutes of sun exposure a couple times a week is enough to get sufficient levels of vitamin D. Again, I'm not an expert on this topic, but that seems to be kind of the consensus, whereas 15 minutes to an hour seems to be enough for mushrooms to get a sufficient amount of vitamin D. So it seems like it's almost kind of similar. Um, so I guess if you were sunning your button mushrooms and you stood outside with them for that same amount of time, well, you'd probably produce just as much vitamin D as you would if you were to eat those mushrooms. Which is a good thing then that mushrooms are tasty and they do have all sorts of other nutritional benefits. So the vitamin D thing is just kind of a nice bonus. On that note, that's it for this episode of The Mushroom Show. Thank you so much for watching. Now, I can't tell you all the details yet, but I am super excited because The Mushroom Show is going on, a, on the road in just a little bit here. We're gonna be doing some traveling and recording some very cool stories. I Again, I can't tell you the details yet, but I can't wait to share it all with you. It's going to be some really, really cool stuff. Now, in the meantime, if you want to follow along with that or interact or just hang out outside of the Mushroom Show, I spend a lot of time on Twitter at FreshCapTony, and that's where I do a lot of the research for the show and, again, interact with people. And uh, you can follow everything I'm doing there. So if you use Twitter, go ahead and go check that out at FreshCapTony. Again, thank you so much for watching. If you like mushrooms and if you want to help the Mushroom Show grow, go ahead and hit that like button. Maybe even subscribe to the show if you feel like it or if you want to see more episodes. And we'll see you in the next one.